Hello, Gaston County again. We just had a little tech- technological snafu there, but Naomi's got it under control. Welcome to episode number 78 of Gaston's Great, a podcast highlighting, I think, some of the great things happening in and around Gaston County. I'm your host, Stephen Long, and we are coming to you once again from the international headquarters of GSM Services right here in downtown Gastonia as we continue having some great discussions in the coming weeks and months. We simply believe in discussing more of the reasons why Gaston's great. We have another great organization this week as we highlight the Ark of Gaston County. That is the correct name, right? Ark of Gaston County? All right. We have Sarah Osborne, Tracy Buzio, and Jennifer Hamrick with us today. Sarah is the executive director. Tracy is a board member, and Jennifer is the current president of the board. So Sarah, Tracy, and Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank, Thank you. you. It's great to be here. All right. As usual, we're going to get right to the question. So maybe start with you, uh, Jennifer, since you're the furthest away. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, anything that you would like to share. Well, my career has been in special education. I'm in my 26th year, and I have found a home at the Ark of Gaston County um, where we can extend beyond my classrooms and my support services across schools out back into the community where I know our students will spend the majority of their lives um, accessing resources. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks. Okay, very good. Sarah, what what would you like to share, ma'am? Oh, let's see here. Um, I will celebrate my 18th year with Ark in April. Hard to believe. And um, um, the fact that I, my husband and I have a son with Down syndrome is kind of the driving force that I can bring to the ARC and bring to our community, identifying with um, other parents, families, um, a variety of folks in the community that, um, you know, help them going in the right direction with the ARC. Um, been married for 24 years, college sweetheart, three kids, <laughs> two in college. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of busy, but, um, but I appreciate you um, having us here today. Absolutely. Tracy? My background is in criminal prosecution. I was a domestic okay. violence prosecuting attorney, and our second child was born with Down syndrome, which is how I met Sarah, and she tapped me into the organization I'm really proud of what we have in Gaston County in the ARC. Well, well very good. So, again, I appreciate that. On the listener, just like to hear a little bit of background on our guest um, as we go along. So, obviously, the big the big question is, and I'll maybe stick with you, Sarah, to to start with. But this question, these questions, are really for all three of you. So, feel free to just talk over top of each other. You know, that's how we do it here. That's at, how at, we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, great. So, <laughs> Sarah, what is for our listeners who may not be familiar with the organization, what is the Ark of Gaston County and kind of what is uh, the mission in general? Just kind of share what you what you can there. Sure. Uh, a little bit of background about the Ark. It was actually uh, started in 1950 in Minnesota by parents and um, medical professionals who saw uh, potential in people with developmental disabilities. Um, at the time, it was the, the term of mental retardation was used. And so when the ARC was originally created, it was the Association for Retarded Children. Um, as it evolved and it re- the folks realized it wasn't just children, it was adults and it was all ages. The C became the citizens. Then it became the ARC. And then in 1992, it became the ARC. So it became a brand of who we supp- of, of what we do versus who it is necessarily that we support. So when it's the ARC, and folks ask me what it stands for. I pretty much say we stand to support people with developmental disabilities because the acronym is just, it's not there anymore. Sure. 
Um, so our chapter started in 1961. There are over 600 chapters throughout the nation. And first and foremost, we are advocacy and awareness for children and adults of all ages with developmental disabilities. And for folks who don't understand necessarily who that involves, folks with Down syndrome, people who have autism, a variety of cognitive delays, um, what I a lot of the times will use as examples of, uh, so they can relate is a lot of people are familiar with Special Olympics. So Special Olympic athletes have uh, developmental disabilities. And when we talk about that, it's what, does he need, what do they need and how can we get them going in the right direction? So as a parent, when folks call, whether they're caregivers or educators, um, we work a lot with our local law enforcement to give them education. It's what do you need and how can we help you get it? So we might not offer necessarily the res- or the uh, we are the community resource. We don't offer the program, but we can get you going in the right direction gotcha. with what okay. you need. Um, as a parent, I can identify with the challenges and the celebrations. So I don't tell people we know what they're going through, but when I share with them about my 21-year-old Danny, you can you can take 10 steps forward in that conversation and already get to the meat of it of you get it. You didn't just get trained on it kind of thing. So with our chapter, community resource, but we do have specialized programs. We actually have a specialized summer enrichment camp for uh, school-age individuals. We have a Christmas program for adults with disabilities, and we bring disability awareness to pretty much whoever, whenever, however, to the community. Okay. So you just summarized a lot right there to, to <laughs> unpack. So um, maybe Jennifer, go with go with talk, asking you the similar question. But what is your role as the president of the board? And then anything you would like to add to that, or did you know Sarah just take all the thunder with what the organization does? No, um, we are a smaller board, and we are a very hands-on working board. Okay. Um, and so we support not only the planning and the vision. What can we offer? How can we offer it? Where's our outreach? Um, where are our fundraising efforts? But also the boots on the ground. You know, how are we planning some of the details to make sure that the supports and plans we have in place can be brought to fruition and actually meet the outcomes that we're intending to meet? So. Um, my particular role really is just um, working with the rest of the board and with Sarah to make sure day-to-day stays on track. Um, okay. As you're well aware, we're coming out of a, a unique time in, in our community. Thank, thank you for putting a positive spin on it. Unique <laughs> is a good word. Well, <laughs> and I think that's yeah. really one of our greatest celebrations is that we have survived. I find right. um, is in my role as an educator, we're used to connecting families with community agencies. And what happens is when students leave high school, where do families get this information? Um, and so oftentimes they do reach out to Sarah, and um, that, that, that's a sector of the community that needs that type of support because you can, you can call 1-800 numbers and you'll get information, but it doesn't always answer your question. So you don't get the training that you need. Um, and so our, our role for our board is really to kind of tailor those niches. What does our population need right now? What do our families need for support? Okay, very good. Thank you. So, Tracy, from your perspective, being a board member and your own you know, life experience and involvement with ARG, what, how would you add anything to that, or how would you describe kind of your your involvement and anything you'd like to share? I think in addition to being a parent, I also bring sort of a legal perspective sure. sometimes, okay. whether that may be always good news or welcome, <laughs> I'm not sure, but right. it's I have spent some time 
researching education law, and I share that in our meetings and sometimes in the board meetings and sometimes one-on-one -on -one with Sarah about things I think may be thorny or problematic or that we really need to deal with. And it's, it's often finding problems mm -hmm. to avoid and to deal with. Sure. And uh, I have been sought out by other people in the community looking for guardianship questions which I can't answer but they know that I'm associated with the ARC and the ARC provides such broad services. Okay. I think no matter what your concern is in the community the ARC is somehow involved whether it's someone having a, a traumatic accident and needing a ramp or a child with autism who is engaging in because of sensory issues and they're afraid in the car and getting them an appropriate car seat for a much older child or okay. transition services for, um, and these are all things Sarah does. When I say we, I mean Sarah. Things that you might not be thinking of, right? But, but yeah. very real world issues right. when we have across the country, you may read about adolescents or young adults with autism or Down syndrome who are severely injured or killed because of false restraint or inappropriate use of force. And the ARC, Sarah, has done a lot of training with the police department for appropriate interventions gotcha. in our school okay. systems, with our resource officers, and with our police departments to avoid that kind of tragic situation. And they, and that was not my brainchild. This was Sarah. But... Um, but those kind of issues, too, the things that people may not even consider or think about are things that the ARC does. And it's incredibly broad, the services that are provided. So I'm often the kind of person who says, yeah, but liability. Sure. Yeah, but we have, <coughs> and Sarah's like, mm. but then, then we... Yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's kind of like mean, it's in, in insurance in a business in the business world is something you really don't want to talk about, but it's necessary. And so exactly. it's similar the the things that you that some let's go go serve people without. I'm often doing that and doing things here without thinking about what are the consequences. I'm just not going to think about that could could occur. So right. well, having right. having that guidance is yes. is important. And also some thorny issues with the school system, and say, hey, you know, the federal government, th this is a, a mandate. Right. This is what's happening in, and I've tried to pull in a special education law firm before when things have happened in the community, and looking at special education law to make sure that our our students and our parents in the community are getting their needs met, despite a lack of resources, right. those services are still required. Mm -hmm. Sure. So... I'm often the, the oh. prickly one. Well, and, and you that's, that's your description, and I understand where you're coming from, but it's just it becomes very well-rounded in our discussions because things, like you said, sometimes we just want to go and do yeah, absolutely. because the intention is good and we're meeting the needs, but getting input from Jennifer and Tracy and the rest of our board members, that's the beauty of a working board because you are, you know, you're alive, you're you're doing it, and you are taking things into consideration that are making what you're doing better and more effective. Okay. I would just add to you that I think the ARC is unique in that we have our own initiatives. We have our programs, our events, our celebrations, our training. But just as much as we have that we run on our own, we are collaborators with other community agencies and, and businesses and memberships. I mean, 
just half the time you hear Sarah speaking, she's doing it in collaboration with another agency or group. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that might be training with police. That might be fetal alcohol syndrome training to um, high school health classes, um, okay. wherever that is. All right, so you've mentioned a couple of uh, initiatives. Specific. <coughs> can you? Is there one maybe you can elaborate on or something to get a little more detail or, or in kind of the next question that we kind of ha- like to talk about? Is there something um, related to some an initiative um, an anecdotal story of a success. I'm sure you've seen plenty, right? All three of you probably over the years, but is there is there an anecdotal story related to some of the initiatives that where you can kind of describe a success story or something that made a, you know, made a big impact on you? Does that does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. It, it does. Um, one one of the things we're proud of everything we do. Sure. One of the biggest things that um, that we just beam about is the summer enrichment camp that we put together. I came on in 2005, 2006. Our board at the time, we just said, hey, you know, um, what is there for our individuals during summer camp, during summertime? Um, And there was only one. And we said, okay, we need to do something about that. So we created Camp Kaleidoscope. It is for ages 7 and up. The up is usually 22, so it's roughly school age individuals with developmental disabilities. So other than COVID year, we've been going every year. It looks a little different. We've built on it, um, have amazing uh, staff, and we maintain a four-to-one ratio, which a lot of places can't say that they do, but that is a need for us. Um, One of the things that we have actually learned probably over the last five years is, and and in addition to being a United Way partner agency, kind of led us to this, this growth um, measuring. How can you measure growth? How can you, you know, and, and if you're not in that mindset, you know, it's like, but it's a camp for kids with special needs. What else do you need to know? It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. But how do you make that but, impact tangible? Yes. And right. that was kind of our struggle, if you will. So what we've been able to really start teasing out, and it was a, it was a great board effort too, is what are we doing now and how can we present it in a more tangible way? So how many folks are we serving? We serve up to 22 campers every summer. Um, But what we came to realize was the fact of we started asking questions in a different way. You know, if you didn't have camp, how much socialization would your individual get, would your kid get during the summer? How much outside play? How many field trips? How many this? What wouldn't they have if they didn't have camp? And then the other thing that has been really eye-opening is the financial aspect. So we have um, grants through United Way and other opportunities to help with the funding. Um, Everything else with the ARC is free. And if we could get enough grant funding for Camp Kaleidoscope, we would, but we've got to get the right kind of staff to work there as well. Um, So we we fund as much as we can, and then there's a small um, a small fee for the, the families to, pet, to cover. But we started looking at financial stability, and we started looking at that impact on the families. What would you do? What would happen? What would it look like if you did not have camp? If you didn't have a safe, secure place, you can't measure peace of mind, right? <laughs> um, but if you didn't have camp during the summer months and you had to take a leave of absence – what financial impact would that have on your family, on your household? And the average, and folks are, you know, we give um, 
how many how many months did it would it have saved how much money and we give them kind of ranges but on average for the last five or six years our camp has been able to help um, sustain 21 months of employment with a value of over twenty nine thousand dollars so even if people in the community don't understand our population they don't understand what they need and and the supports that they and their families require they can understand what it might be like to not have a job and not have that income. So, you know, it's been really neat to be able to expand on some of these measurements, so to speak, that people can relate to because as a parent, as a parent, as an educator, and all of us involved, we know how awesome camp is. We get to see them Mm -hmm. every week, but having some of those tangible things has made it uh, a lot easier to explain. Sure. So we're working on life skills. We're working on socialization, um, health and wellness, um, and and allowing them to be their own advocates when we go on um, field trips to the Shield Museum and things like that. It's not, oh, here comes those kids. It's, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, look at all you guys. And it's recognizing them as people first and that's kind of our that's kind of our driving force. So camp has just been awesome. Well, that's I love good. camp. <laughs> so um, I appreciate you sharing that. So Jennifer or Tracy, any initiatives or anything that you can recall specifically? Uh, either one of you would like to share about uh, something that you saw you've seen personally that was like, wow. I mean, this is this this what this is what makes it worthwhile. Well, we also have Operation Santa, and Operation Santa is different around the holidays because we collect. Um, Donors sometimes just want to donate, some will adopt, um, but it is just for adults. It is not okay. for children. And so, it, you know, most of the drives you see are Toys for Tots and, and really around that younger crowd. But for many of our adults, some of them much older, um, they may live in a group home. They may not have family that get to visit them. They just may not have family. I mean, their, their little tiny, tiny community can't provide. Um, so when we send out wish lists, um, one, one reflection we have every year is most of what they ask for are needs, yeah. not even wants. You know, they want toiletries or a watch or a ball cap or, you know, things that are just undergarment, things that they need um, yeah. really take precedent. Even, you know, their want list is sometimes just not there, you know, because they don't get to that point. Like they just, what they really want are some of those basic needs. So I think Operation Santa um, in the last few years, um, we have changed kind of how we reach out to the community, and, and Sarah has um, gone around and explained about Operation Santa and the niche that it um, really provides, and we have been able to provide more than we ever have, um, completely covered by donors, um, which we had not been able to do out of the past, um, and it has been phenomenal to reach those folks that you typically won't see out in the community, right. and you don't know about them um, but to provide both wants and needs. Um, mm-hmm. So there's always, part of their gifts are always around around those toiletries and basic needs and, and then some of the things that they want, coloring books, whatever <laughs> that is. Because for them, it's still a very special time. Sure. And nobody wants to feel isolated at the holidays. And right. so um, it's it's very different than what you see out in, out in the community where a lot of the effort is towards right. the younger population. I think one thing that we saw uh, a couple Christmases ago, and we started asking for wants and needs because – just a wish list, if you've gotten them from your kids or nieces or nephews, you know, it's, they want everything, (laughs) right? Um, Right. So we wanted to make sure we had a little bit more of a concentrated effort on what, what do you want and what do you need? 
And what I can tell you is, to echo what Jennifer said, you know, it's toiletries, it's winter apparel, it's watches and jewelry. and But at the same time, they also know what they want because there was a young lady who on her want section put a 52-inch LCD TV. <laughs> who doesn't want that, you know? But knowing the difference of asking for it and not asking for it on a Christmas list, but she still knew what she wanted, right? Yeah. So um, it's th- the reality of it is there. And a lot of these folks, they are, you know, they, they are financially uh, limited. Um, most people in group homes have, after all their stuff is covered, they have 66 bucks left mm. for underwear, for a cheeseburger, for whatever. And so, you know, concentrating on adults because it's, they're inadvertently the forgotten population. Um, you don't think about a 21-year-old still being 100% dependent on caregivers, right. you know? So um, so we focus on the adult population, and we are, the Operation Santa is the only one of its kind in Gaston County. So very good. pretty proud of that. Tracy, was there anything you would add to that uh, question about Indian? I would, and the, the word I had written down, uh, well, two of the words were isolation and inclusion. And this is for the children and the parents. It's a very scary transition mm-hmm. when you find yourself being the care provider for right. a child with significant special needs. It's very lonely. Mm-hmm. It's very scary. So... Some of the things that the ARC provides are things that, I mean, because I have a typical son, well, as typical as he can be. <laughs> he's at Georgia Tech, you know, yep. he did the thing. He, he went on, he's going to move out, he's going to have a job, he's going to be his own person. That's, that's what we take for granted. We sure. take for granted that there are things he could do and stay after school that he chose to do and he'd be fine and he'd be looked after. He can advocate for himself. If he didn't like something, he could tell us in many, 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 many words. Um, but when you have a child with special needs, my daughter happens to be nonverbal, although there were some places that stand out in my mind where she was invited to come for summer activities, like Stowe Botanical Gardens would always say, please send her, but I knew I would have to go. I would have to go to help right. navigate that, and as generous and as kind as they would be, I knew that... the. the that there was going to be a lot of work to make it work. So to have a camp where I can take my child, and I know they're going to be, she's going to be taken care of. Most of the staff is our special um, education experts anyway, educators and, and or parents, siblings. Uh, this is a professional crew. That means my child is not sitting at home with me, regardless of whatever financial resources they are. I, I can't buy 10 other kids or 20 other kids for her to hang out <laughs> with during the summer. Right. Um, there's no way I can provide that kind of re- enrichment. But more importantly, she is not alone all summer. And she is not alone um, as she gets older. She has opportunities to go to a dance to go to activities, whether it be through the ARC or Special Olympics. She can have the kind of life that we take for granted. And I, as a parent, um, and other parents, we can go to a workshop. It's all right. That's how we roll here. Gaston's great. All good. (laughs) So we can go to a workshop to discuss, well, I'm really scared about 
super worried or confused about sending my child to, to kindergarten. I was terrified. I was really, really scared. Um, she has a, a lot of needs. So then transitioning between elementary and middle school and middle school and high school and what happens after and what do you do about guardianship. These are all programs that Sarah hasn't even mentioned and resources because it's just something that you do all the time. Probably don't even think about it, but this is a lifeline for parents who are also isolated. And it is incredibly important because there's nobody else who does this. Nobody. Hmm. It's, and it can be, you think about just with your typical kid, how much energy, you know, you worry about them, right? Sure, absolutely. You worry about them being safe and taken care of and just magnify that and then not have anyone to ask and not have any resources and not know if your kid who can't tell you if things happen is going to be okay. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of providing resources to bridge that gap of isolation, not only for our children and young adults and our older adults mm -hmm. with special needs, but also for their care providers and their families. It is an invaluable resource, and nobody else is doing it in Gaston County. There is a special needs uh, law firm in Charlotte, Cuddy Law Firm, but that's in Charlotte. Right. And it's a great resource that I've um, utilized myself. But in Gaston County, we have 250,000 residents. And this woman right here is the lifeline for so many of them. So she's, the center, she's the spoke of the, of the wheel, <laughs> so to speak. Absolutely. Huh? Ab so, absolutely. Yes. The, the, I mean the hub of the wheel, not the spoke of the wheel, the hub of the wheel. So, listen, those are three. I appreciate you sharing that because those were great examples of the work you're doing and, and things that, to your point, Tracy, that, yeah, the, the typical parent just not aware of. And, and it's a different world, right, when, you don't, when you're not experiencing that yourself. So, you know, looking ahead for the organization, um, you know, that classic question is five to ten years down the road, but I, I don't necessarily like that question specifically. But, you know, Sarah, what do you see, you know, the future looking like for the, organa orga the organization here locally? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, um, again, is, is centered, or, you know, we're always going to be advocates, we're always going to have awareness, we're always, you know, want to be that first point of contact. Um, our, our continued need is to build on Camp Kaleidoscope. Okay. Um, you know, we, we are fortunate enough, as Jennifer said, as collaborators, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what do we need and not duplicate efforts, but to build on that existing effort and build the, build the manpower uh, if we're all working for the same, uh, the same uh, population. Um, we partner with a local church. So what's great about that is we're not having to spend money on rent and what we would for a building since I have a, you know, 12 by 12 office and that's it, um, <laughs> is uh, money we would spend on rent, we can pour into staff payroll and more staff means serving more campers. So, you know, we, I don't want to say we're stuck, we're, we're, we're comfortable between 20 and 22 campers based on uh, our location, on our availability, but if we want to go with five years down the road, I would absolutely love to be more of a full-time or closer to a full-time 
we're Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3. So it mimics a typical school day. Okay. Um, again, Tracy mentioned that our staff has been um, either service providers in this industry or special education teachers. And, um, you know, we, we do six weeks in the summer, Monday through Thursday, but we're only meeting, we're only taking care of some of those and serving gotcha. some of them. Um, it, it, it's not a good fit because of the time frame for a lot of other folks. So expansion for camp to be more functional for more families is where I would like to see Understood. At the board in general, um, Jennifer and Tracy, is there anything that the board has talked about or anything plans down the road, or is it top secret? Well, there's no top secret about it, but um, <laughs> we we know that things have changed in the past few years, and sure. so we are – our current planning is how can we get back to where we were gotcha. and still reach those families. Um, that social aspect and isolation was really huge for a couple of years. Um, many of our, our clients have medical issues that don't, you know, prevented them from being out in the community even as it began to open back up again. Um, and so now thinking how we can, how we can reach out. Um, Sarah has, has recently um, become a trainer for fetal alcohol syndrome. And so there's as these opportunities come um, for her to go out and do more outreach and training in the community. You know, we you hear the buzzword is inclusion, but what inclusion is not always is acceptance. And so, um, you may also in in our community hear a lot about services. And although many of our families and clients can access services, those agencies don't always have the service providers and. Um, in my field, when I get to interview candidates for positions, they have a personal connection with somebody that has driven and called them to serve, whether it be providing therapies, um, speech services, to become an education, to work in the camp. There's always these personal connections, someone they met in the community in church, somebody that was in their class at school. And so not only do we need to get back to where we can fully include, um, but know that that's going to impact um, access and, and acceptance for for our clients as well. Okay, very good. Tracy, would you add anything to, to that about the future of the organization, or did they, did they cover it pretty well? It's more of a personal okay. aspiration of mine, so surprise. <laughs> <laughs> we have been extremely fortunate with my daughter's educational settings. It, it's just extraordinary administration. It goes from the top down to the educators, the faculty, staff, the custodians. I think my daughter has probably danced with and twirled everyone at all of her schools. <laughs> but that is not always the experience uh, for everyone at every school. And I, I, I think it would be really nice to think about ways to help expand that kind of advocacy and accountability throughout the county. And I don't know what that would look like, so that's why it's not necessarily an ARCS goal. And I've individually Understood. assisted some people, just providing them with some background and uh, suggestions for handling some things and tried to address some things myself in the county. But... I see that as a, as a goal and some kind of partnership, but it's such a large expansion and it's taking on so much that right now we're just trying to 
take care of the needs that exist, which are vast. Understood. But I, I would love to see more families in the kind of environment my, my daughter has been so blessed to enjoy. Okay, well, good. Well, again, that's some, that's some good stuff. Um, so before we move on, uh, are there any questions I haven't asked or anything you'd like to share? I mean, of course, before we're finished, we'll make sure that our listeners know how to find inf- more information about the organization, uh, get involved, or just you know, make sure that's uh, the, the, the main thing that we get out. But any other questions I, I should have asked or haven't or anything else you'd like to share before we move on to these uh, really important mm-hmm. Um, the, the only thing, questions. the only thing I uh, I had thought about was um, when we talked about services. So we service the community, but we are not a service provider in the sense that we do right. not have billable services. We do not receive state or federal funding. Um, everything we do, we seek out the funding for. So it's fundraisers, it's writing grants, it's donations. Um, you know, and and I think that's really important because. You don't know just because you write a $10,000 grant doesn't mean you're going to get 10000 You might get three. And then with that three, you got to figure out how to make it work with <laughs> what you need. Um, but so a lot of services are based on that type of, uh, of funding. So okay. no insurance, no Medicaid, no Medicare. Pretty much your criteria, you have a developmental disability, and you're a Gaston County resident. How can we help you? <laughs> so I think... Um, you know, especially in this economic world, the funding is a big piece because if, if there are services that if you don't have government supplemental, if you don't have Medicaid, you're on a, you, sorry, you don't qualify. And that's, that's not how we operate. So that's a, that's a big piece for us. That's a good point. Good to hear. So um, remember, this is a podcast about Gaston County, right? And good things happening around Gaston County. However, we have a set of questions and we're going to call this the, I don't know, Franklin Boulevard, where your office is, speed round of questions. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and so this is really what your family, other board members, staff, uh, this is what they really want to know about the three of you. All right. So I'm going to start way down there again with Jennifer. So I'm assuming, especially where, I'm assuming you've all been here long enough to have visited Tony's Ice Cream. Oh, of course. Okay. Of so course. Jennifer, what's your favorite Tony's Ice Cream flavor? Oh, cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. Peanut butter ripple. Peanut butter ripple. Mm, I'm not sure we've had that one as an answer. I'm all about some peanut butter. Tracy? <laughs> the, uh, the banana. Banana split? or The banana pudding. Oh, but yeah, we have had that as an answer, yes. Matter of fact, that might have been Amy's answer here, <laughs> our, marketing, <laughs> our marketing director. All right, Tracy, we'll stick, stay, stay with you. Um, are you a sun drop or cheer wine? Cheer wine. Cheer wine. Cheer wine. Well. Cheer wine. Cheer wine. All mm. right. We've got the 100% going on there. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, favorite local restaurant? Web Street Kitchen. Yeah, that's a common, that's a common um, answer. A newer one, Mon, uh, Mangiamo's. Yeah, down yeah. Uh, right on, on Main Street. Yeah. Yes. Tracy? It'd be a toss-up between Beppa and Viet May. We're always getting okay. and yeah, All right. once a week. <laughs> How about, uh, Tracy, favorite outdoor activity or favorite park or something here in Gaston County? Martha Rivers. It's yeah, Martha Rivers is great. Walk and people watch and it's wonderful. <laughs> um, I actually have Martha Rivers too. Uh, all three kids very active, and so that was our home away from home for yeah. and continues to be. But um, getting out there, especially watching my kids play ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have three kids, so a lot of soccer and some early on baseball yes. and t-ball. Well, coach pitch out there. Yeah. <laughs> I hit a lot of I hit a lot of little kids when I was pitching <laughs> coach pitch out there. 
Jennifer, how about you? We love Rankin Lake, but we live up in the Cherryville, so we hit all those parks up there and spend oh, yeah. quite a bit of time on the soccer fields and, and ball fields. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the most important question of the day. I'm going to stick with you, Jennifer, and um, I don't really, there's only one correct answer. Take but cover. <laughs> but UNC, Duke, or NC State? UNC. Clearly me, not the me, right give answer. Give me something. <laughs> you just got to want, want, want. You don't have headphones on. Sarah? Oh, um, <laughs> of those three, if I have to pick one, it would be NC State. That's what I thought. Well, you, 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 you just got some applause. What would uh, what is there? A, what would be the other one? Is well, that, my husband and I went to Campbell University. Oh, okay. We were Division One athletes there, and so that's kind of our, you know, that's our pull. The Camels, right? The cam- yes, I certainly, even though I was recruited to play fast pitch softball there, and he wrestled, and we loved it. We certainly did not go there for the for the mascot, but Gaylord <laughs> and Gladys are pretty awesome. Absolutely, <laughs> Tracy. If I had to pick one of these, it would be UNC. Uh. That's what I was afraid of. So if it was something else, it would be Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. That's right. My that's son's right. in the marching band. Yeah, I knew that. Actually, that, that is the only acceptable answer in our home now. That's <laughs> a, well, you know what? My my Wolfpack is playing the the Yellow Jackets tonight in basketball. I think. Right. So we'll have to see. Well, William may be in the crowd. He's doing pet band this year. I don't know. If he's oh, doing okay. Game, well, I'll, so I will. If I get a chance to watch, I'll look, be on the lookout. Look for the tall, thin kid with the sousaphone. So Tracy, what is something very few people know about you? I played on the defensive line and flag football in college, and that was good. Really? And where was where was that? That was at Oglethorpe in Atlanta. Ah, okay. That sounds scary, actually. Yeah. Defensive line. <laughs> Tracy, the defensive line person. If I moved so too slowly, I would get crushed by the big girls. I weighed <laughs> 90 pounds. That's funny. I was like, oh, I always felt sorry for me because I weighed that, 90 that, pounds, that's and all the other girls were like, that's you know, definitely a first athletes. Uh, as an answer on, on the, the, the podcast here. Sarah, what about you? Um, I mentioned playing the Division One fast-pitch <laughs> softball. Yeah. Um, of all the sports I played, that's what I stayed with. And a lot of folks don't know that I was invited to try out for the 1996 Olympic team. Oh, wow. And made it through two cuts. Holy moly. Yeah, it was pretty that's cool. That's legit. It is legit, right? Yes. And um, another neat thing is with those Olympic Games being in Atlanta, my daddy's family is from south of there. And so the softball, uh, Olympic softball was played in my grandmother's hometown of Columbus. So not only did I get to try out and see a lot of these people, we got to go to some games. Oh, so man. it was just it was kind of kind of came full circle. Even though I didn't make it, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Oh, well, good for you. Man. Yeah. That's a great yeah, it's a great story. Sorry, you were last, Jennifer. That's so you got to top you got to top, top those two. Yeah, nothing too snazzy like that. But definitely going back to my athlete days, I I. I'm not currently fit to rock climb anymore, but that was a great passion really? of mine um, before I had a family and children and, you know, could do things that I like to do. And um, I loved rock climbing indoor, outdoor. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, that's not something I was I've never fabulous at it, but I loved it. Oh, that's great. All right. So um, Jennifer, sticking with you, is there a recent book that you've read or article or something you follow that you could share with our listeners that might be? Oh. No, not that. I mean, I've read quite a quite a few that I just don't remember their names anymore <laughs> to, to be able to recommend one. Well, um, that's a totally unacceptable answer. However, sure. we'll move on to Sarah. 
Uh, the most recent book I've read that I enjoyed um, was Where the Crawdads Sing. Okay, yeah. Oh, so yes, I like I like that. I'm when I read when I have time to read for pleasure, <laughs> it's those kind of books. Okay, very yeah. good. Tracy, what about you? I think my favorite book last year was Project Hail Mary. That was a I did the audio book, which was oh, great. I've heard that was fantastic. Yeah, if, and it's the same author as the author of The Martian. Mm-hmm. So, But uh, since this is talking about intellectual disabilities, I also recommend Driven to Distraction uh, by Edward Hollowell. Okay. For adults who know they have or may not know they have ADD or ADHD, it's, it's a really important read. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, we, I'm a big reader, whether it's business, personal development, occasionally something that's uh, just for, uh, for, for pleasure. And so, and so I just like hearing what our, uh, what our guests have, have read and something they might could share. So I appreciate you indulging us on those guests and county uh, <laughs> and personal related questions. So, you know, maybe sticking with you, Tracy, with this next question. Um, yeah, besides the arc of Gaston County, why would you say that Gaston County is such a great place? Part of what we we came from Madison, Wisconsin, which is okay. really different from here. Right. It's, it's Madison is surrounded by reality. It's a very interesting and different place. But my husband met one of the partners at his group at Disney World on one of the trams. Oh wow! Grover okay. White, mm-hmm. uh, and he was just so warm and so kind. And he said, "We we need to go look there." And it's been my experience that, you know, you, you can hear a lot about you know, whether or not people are really truly warm and kind in right. the South, but my experience has been that to the depth of their bones, there are some really <laughs> just warm, kind people in this community, and particularly with my experience uh, with Ella, it's just, it is just a lot of the attributes of a small town are here, mm-hmm. the, the parts where we're kind and we help each other. We're just nice to each other. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that that's quite lovely. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. Sarah, how would you follow that one? Well, um, I definitely agree. So ditto. Um, but one of the things that's been neat, um, being in the banking world for 10 years before I came here, a transplant from Roanoke, Virginia, um, has when I started with the ARC, I was able to experience Gaston County. So when I worked in Charlotte for the bank, I just lived here. I knew how to get. Okay, good point. You yeah. know, I knew how to get to doctor's offices. I knew how to get to the grocery store and to the bank. But I worked in North Charlotte. So since being at the ARC and office being in the United Way building, I've been able to experience my my county and kind of what Tracy's talking about. And so if you've lived here a while, you know that it's Cherryville and not Cherryville. Yes. Um, that, you know, <laughs> the beams are from Cherryville. And then you've got white sides towards, but I mean, and so those kind of things, really learning about my community, um, it, it's just, it has just been really neat. But um, um, I really liked the expansion of our palettes with cuisine and how <laughs> it's interesting isn't it many yeah. varieties of restaurants are popping up um 
you know, I'll give it a try. And if I don't like it, that means I don't like you. I just don't like your food. But yeah. the variety has been really exciting to see. You don't have to go. There's there's lots of choices now where you don't have to go across the river if you don't want to. Exactly. And, and, and have a good meal, frankly. And I, I appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah. It was sparse when we moved here. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer? I'm originally from Virginia, and I was a city mouse. And so when I transplanted to North Carolina, I landed in Charlotte for eight years. Um, and it's definitely a big city there, and it has a lot to offer. But Gaston County is great. Um, I love that we have, just like you guys described, that down-home feel. Like, I live in Cherville. It's just a very tight-knit community. There is so much support there. I'm always impressed at the variety of fun and activities like when I was a young adult before I had a family like there was so much for me to do right here without having to cross the river um and then as we have raised a family I have two teenagers now it is (laughs) amazing what the what the community has to offer that we don't have to go very far we don't have to do travel ball if we don't want to because there is so much right here um and I I have loved that because I feel like I get my cake and eat it too yeah and don't forget you know Charlotte is the gateway to Gastonia if you weren't aware of that (laughs) <laughs> right, right, Naomi. <laughs> so, okay, this is, you know, I, I think Naomi rolls her eyes probably because I say this every episode that this last question is my favorite question, probably. I say that about multiple questions, but, you know. So, uh, Jennifer, I'll let you go first on this one. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Oh, I love this question. I feel like my 20s were about self acceptance and just figuring out. And I would just tell myself at 20 years old, get over it. You yeah. know who you are. Move on with life and just enjoy your time. Lean into it. Yeah, that's good. Sarah, how would you answer that one? Um, along the same lines, but, you know, let it happen um, and always follow your heart. You know, you, you go through certain experiences for a reason, and that helps to to, to guide you for the next step. So <laughs> let it happen. Yeah, that's interesting. Tracy, how would you answer that? Fight for what you believe in, which is okay. part of what I did, but also don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the things uh, I know that this is, comes up, over the 77 previous episodes, but also, yeah, the things that seemed like a big deal when you were 20 sometimes really weren't, right. you know, and you took them. So I, I know I took things seriously, like, and it was the end of the world, right? And you look back now and just laugh, especially now that I have a 23, a 21, and a seven, well, tomorrow will be a 17-year-old. So um, the perspective is different. So, mm-hmm. well, ladies, I can't thank you enough for your time. This has been really good. So, again, the main point is to bring awareness to the organization, so where can listeners go uh, online or how can they find get in touch with you guys or find out more information about the organization? Um, our, we, we've got a variety of ways. Uh, so our website is www.gastoncountyarc.org. Um, telephone number is 704-861-1036. We are on Facebook with, uh, or under rather, the Arc of Gaston County. And uh, email is arcgaston at gmail.com. So um, we mentioned that, you know, with, with um, the changes that we've had the last couple of years and everybody's had some, some funding challenges and we were not exempt to that. So um, in order to continue to serve and do, we have reduced to part-time. Okay. Um, but all of those ways will still reach us for whatever you need. Very good. I appreciate you sharing that. So any last words of wisdom or any of the three of you or anything you'd like to share before we, before we close this episode out? 
No, just thank you for the opportunity. To oh, share well, you're about, welcome. Share it's about been good. And I, would, I would offer that if people listening or watching okay. want to be involved, mm-hmm. there are lots of ways for people okay. to be involved, whether it's just sending a check because sure. it's not free. Absolutely. <laughs> and so. a lot of the clients that we serve have extreme financial need. Okay. There's also opportunities for your youth group, for your kids group, for your adult groups, for volunteer opportunities, fundraising opportunities, whether it be collecting toiletries or adopting someone for Operation Santa or helping with general funding or some you know, hands-on volunteer opportunities. I cannot think of anything you would be interested in that the ARC does not do. Sponsoring a dance, helping with health needs, there's, there's just about anything that would touch your heart that's available, and it's needed. And this is a population that often gets forgotten. So if you feel so moved, hop online, <laughs> put in the call, and get motivated. Well, again, that's, I appreciate that because that is the point. I mean, we're not, um, we're this, we, we do hope that we have listeners out here who are hearing about it for the first time, and they are moved to help some of these organizations that we've had on uh, the podcast here. And yeah, I personally just want to, I, I, I do know the work you're doing. I've been fortunate to be involved with United Way for a very long time. And unfortunately for Sarah, when I was the campaign chair a few years ago, she got stuck with me going to a couple locations. And, and But the, the point there is I got to hear firsthand the story right. you know, as you were sharing with groups who were running campaigns. You right. know, And so uh, this organization has been on my radar for a long time because of my association with the United Way. And I just finished you know, a seven-year stint That's on right. the board. So I'm taking a little break. But we have another team member here who just joined the board as well. Right. So GSM will still have a, a presence there at, at the United Way. So, But I do appreciate the work you do. Like so many uh, organizations and people we've spoken to on the podcast here, you guys are doing uh, great work uh, here here in, in the in the county and making a real positive impact uh, on our county. So uh, we are we are very grateful for that. And like I normally do, I'm going to finish this episode with a thought uh, for the week. And I did pick one that I think ties into the work uh, that the ARC does here uh, locally. And you know, a little maybe a little selfish. I, I pulled something from John Wesley. I'm a, a Methodist. I'm a member of First United Methodist here in um, Gastonia. And John Wesley is you know considered the founder of Methodism. And he said, do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. So I think that's uh, um, a good description of what um, uh, these ladies are doing and the organization is doing here uh, in Gaston County. So again, I appreciate uh, their work and the time and to our listeners out there. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Please continue to spread the word if you can about the podcast. And please don't hesitate to contact us here at our email, which is podcast at gastonsgreat.com. We're always looking for suggestions for future podcast topics and guests. You can find the podcast and subscribe at the web, website, web, web, website, Naomi, <laughs> gastonsgreat.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And please follow us on all our social media platforms. And as I say every week, give us a good five-star rating because that helps us get noticed. Thanks again to Sarah, Tracy, and Jennifer for being our guests today. Gaston's Great is produced and brought to you by Naomi Hunt and Amy Anderson from GSM Services and edited here locally by the Sumner Group. I'm your host, Stephen Long. Thanks again for hanging out with us, and please keep coming back to hear more reasons why Gaston's Great.